Hello, everyone, and happy Wednesday. I know what you're probably thinking right now. You're like, um, Emily, I think you forgot to play the music that you usually play as the intro to your podcast. And you're wrong. I actually didn't forget. But I decided to spice things up a little bit and put it after my introduction of my guest today. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying last week in my episode about trying out new things and going for it and experimenting and just having fun. So I just decided to do a really minor version of that in the beginning of my podcast. Um, today's episode is a really fantastic conversation that I had with Jody Gallant. Um, now, I want to tell you about her last name. It's taken me like 10 minutes to sit down and be able to record this intro because her last name is spelled G-A-L-L-A-N-T. Now, technically, the A-N-T would indicate to me that it's aunt, not aunt because you know I don't know about you but I believe that the word aunt is spelled a-u-n-t I know some people think that that word is pronounced aunt um, I'm an aunt person I'm aunt Emily auntie Emily any of those options are fine I call all my aunts aunts not aunts but some people pronounce a-u-n-t aunt so when it comes to a-n-t why am I wanting to make it aunt I don't know I looked it up on Jody's Facebook to make sure that I was getting the pronunciation right and see if I should be saying Jody Gallant or Jody Gallant, and it still had no answers for me. So then I took it to YouTube and I looked it up and they had like three different pronunciations that did me no good. Anyway, I think the moral here for us is we should put the pronunciations of our last names on our Facebooks where they give you that little spot or our LinkedIn's or whatever. I know that you know, a lot of people want to call me Emily Auburn and it actually is, I always say, no, it's acorn with a B, you know, it's a long A. Um, it just helps. I, I am a big fan of proper spellings of names. I don't like when people spell Lindsay the wrong way. If her, she spells it with an A and not an E. I don't like, you know, I don't like Megan's spelled the wrong way. I don't like when people spell Stacy's the wrong way. I just like proper spellings and pronunciations of names. So it's kind of bumming me out that I I don't actually know how to say Jody's last name. I also know that when my husband hears this, he's going to disagree with me vehemently, vehemently, vehemently about me liking proper pronunciations of things because he's always teasing me about saying words wrong. Like I pronounce the word picture, picture, but that's probably just a bad habit that I need to um, get over because what if I have the queen over for dinner and she hears me say pitcher, she's going to think I'm passing her water, not talking about, well, let's actually, you know what, the better scenario would be if I was going to the queen's house and I was talking about a pitcher, she might think I was asking for water rather than saying she had a nice looking piece of art on her wall. Yeah, this is showing me I really need to get better. I next Before the queen invites me for dinner, I definitely need to make sure that I'm not saying picture for picture. This is, this is all very valuable. See all the things you can work out at the beginning of a podcast if you just talk it out. Anyway, I could just text Jody on Boxer and ask her how to properly pronounce her last name, but it's a Saturday and I'm, I don't think I'm going to bother her to do that. I'm, I think we're just going to go with it. And maybe she'll get a good laugh out of this whole entire introduction and how much thought I put into properly pronouncing her last name. 
Today was a little bit of a different Saturday for me. Um, I usually do, as I've told you many times, I usually do like all my chores on Saturdays and clean house and stuff like that. But today I went with a subset of the She Built This group. We have like a little challenge going for June where we're just focusing on the mind, body, and soul pieces of our business. So spending extra time in with self-care and focusing on meditation and exercise and water and all of those fabulous things that make us tick and therefore also make our businesses tick. So today we got together for a little group hike and we went up to the, um, well, we were going to go up to this mountain. Oh my gosh, so I can't pronounce the name of this either. It's Unakununik, I think. It's in Goffstown, New Hampshire. That was our original plan, but a couple of people from that area said that they weren't going to make it. So we changed our plan to the Andres Art Institute, which ended up lovely. Um, It was like a scavenger hunt of art and a hike all in one, kind of steep, but really fun. And one woman brought her two children along who just really brightened up my Saturday. They were asking all sorts of fun questions about like what your favorite Disney movie was, who your favorite Disney character was. It was so much fun. Um, So I did that and now I'm getting ready for a writing workshop during my Saturday. Usually I do those on Sundays. But the exciting thing about this one is it's one that's going to get into some of your um, work stories and talking through some of those and hopefully getting a little bit more clarity in those areas too. So I'm really looking forward to that. A little bit of a weird Saturday. And I'll get all my chores done tomorrow. And yes, you needed to know what my Saturday agenda was. Um, Without further ado, I'm going to introduce today's guest. We, as I mentioned, had a really great conversation just kind of about how she has designed her business, how she supports female entrepreneurs, how she's built two family businesses alongside her husband and her three children, Um, and then just kind of how the work-life balance in her mind is kind of a false thing to strive for. She is actually one of the people that recommended I read that book, Do Less, by Kate Northrup, and I've really been enjoying it and getting a lot of good nuggets and wisdom out of it. Um, Jody Gallant is a business strategist and coach for JMG Business Strategy. And what she does is she uses experience with marketing and planning, as well as owning five New Hampshire local businesses and raising her family. And as she does these things, she's inspiring, leading, and supporting entrepreneurs to achieve the life that they want to live in their business. She left a secure 15-year corporate career in 2012, and she's going to be sharing that story as well as some of the ways that she helps her clients to achieve their goals with the strategies and tools that she uses as well. So I hope you have as many aha moments and great takeaways as I did while you're listening. Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. She built this podcast. How are you today? I am wonderful. I woke up 
feeling very energized with the opportunity to talk with you today. So thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. And I also woke up really energized. I think maybe because it's Wednesday and you can like kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel for the week. But not that I don't love working. I just love the weekend so much. Yeah, I saw um, recently you commented about living in New Hampshire, and I'm right with you in that manner. Um, I was born in New Hampshire, but I um, grew up in upstate New York. And when I moved back to New Hampshire, like every single day I'm in New Hampshire, I just have this sense of home. And so when I saw that you were saying how much you loved New Hampshire weekends, like I could totally just feel so aligned with what you say about that. Yeah, they're the best. Um, as long as there's sunshine and not too many bugs. Um, <laughs> all right. So tell us a little bit about what you do. I read your bio um, before you came on, but just tell, give us kind of like a high level view of how you help people. Yeah, certainly. I think um, in the short, I'd like to tell people I'm a believer of possibility, right? Um, so I work with small business owners to develop their brand, you know, their marketing strategy and operational systems. But that seems so cliche. What I like to do is work with them and support them in narrowing down what their goals are and adjusting the strategies that really support their style and their personality and kind of peel back the norms that they try to measure themselves up with and and work with them, you know, on developing their leadership. Um, one of the challenges that I'd like to work with is eliminating distractions and inviting my clients to embody the way that they do their business their way. Um, we find ourselves forcing our way into norms, societal or in our industries, and they don't always work for us. And so I like to kind of help invite possibility and ch of change so that they can blossom their impact around their style. Yeah, I really love that. And comparison syndrome is such a real problem for so many people. I hear it all of the time and I am definitely guilty of it. I'm always looking at someone else thinking like, oh, maybe I should be doing it this way instead of just focusing on how I am doing it or how I should be doing it for myself. That's so true. And I think some, and you know, I can say that there are times that I do the same. And what I've consciously tried to work on is instead of comparing, using the platforms we are exposed to, to use it as an inspiration and evaluate and de ask deep questions on, do I want to do it that way? Does it feel good to me? And admire what people are doing, but not compare. Um, use it as fuel to move me. And I feel like sometimes the comparison and the should I change or should I do it different um, creates a lot of paralysis for our business growth and, and the impact that we're here to do because it creates pause in our movement. Yeah. What other things do you feel like, cause I totally agree with you. Um, and I know that there's other phenomena that create that same kind of paralysis. So what other things do you see that make people just like stop from that forward momentum? Oh, so many amazing, beautiful entrepreneurs and creatives are starters, right? Because we are just inundated with these beautiful ideas and of, of possibility, really, which is what I love, um, that we get easily distracted. And a little bit of that shiny object syndrome or squirrel, as some people say, um, kind of can pull us away from our path of movement and get caught up in what's next and where do we go from here? Um, rather than staying in a priority, a prioritized sense of, 
you know, okay, not right now, because <laughs> this is important and I already deem this a priority, but I can save that for later. Um, and we spread ourselves too thin. I'm going to go ahead and throw another one at you. I think that also being a finisher has a similar effect. So for example, when I start something, I like have to see it all the way to the finish line, even if that thing is like not what I should be focusing on. So that gets me sometimes feeling like, well, I have too much on my plate and I can't devote the time that I need to be to what I actually need to be doing. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. makes sense. And I think that you're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. And I think what happens when we are finishers, um, we lose amazing opportunities before us. And we also force ourselves to finish things that oftentimes I believe are to give us clarity on what we like or don't like, but that doesn't necessarily require us to finish them, but to learn from what we started and use that in our next so that we can really fine tune and dig deeper into what our style really is. Yeah, that's very well said. Um, All right. How and when did you get started? And like, I know you've been through some pivots in your business. And so what kind of brought you into how you're doing what you're doing now? Yeah, so I'll try to keep this really short because there's a lot of like chaos, I guess you would say, that kind of infiltrated my path to today. Um, the, The simplicity of it was I had a over 10-year career, corporate career in leadership and management and um, upper, upper and middle level management. And my husband owned a construction company with his father, a family business they had had for 18 years. Um, his father had been recovering from an on-the-job accident and his health was deteriorating year over year. And my corporate career was becoming more challenging due to the philosophies that had changed within and it was not aligning with my joy anymore. And so we decided as a family that it might make sense for me to help with the family business, um, allowing my father-in-law to work on his health and support my husband in the work that he was doing. So I took the jump and I jumped. But at the time, I also knew that I loved the work that I did. And I had built a really amazing um, Um, community in the Lakes region. And so when I left, I just kind of made a little shout that said, if there's any projects I can help with anyone, any organizations, let me know. And so I could still maintain my skill sets and my joy in the marketing development and branding arena. Um, What had happened was, you know, four months later, after I left the security of the corporate world I, we, we discovered as a family that the family business wasn't as healthy as we had anticipated. And so it kind of sparked um, a, a need of survival that instead of dabbling in projects, I needed to really position myself to generate income. And we, that, I mean, that essentially was my launch into realistically the entrepreneurial world. And so we had to close the family business and open up a new construction company. Um, My husband and I managed together and and ran and built. And at the same time, I had to really open the doors to what became JMG Marketing. And it's really funny when I get this question because it wasn't until about three years later after I had been running a business that, you know, I grew to six figures in the first nine months, not even realizing that that's 
hard to do. Like it was just a necessity. And, and looking back, I've learned that. And then to know that it took me three years to even embrace the fact that I owned and operated a business was very alarming to me too, because it was about survival and recognizing that I have a service of impact and support for other businesses rather than just the survival of my family's needs. What do you feel like was the um, magic to turning that straw into gold in the first year? I just, I mean, I, that's a great question. I don't know. I just put my head down and showed up and communicated and really didn't measure anything. I just took opportunities and embraced them. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So I know that your husband worked with you a little bit or you, maybe you worked with him in that construction business. Maybe you can clear it up for me and then tell me kind of your experience with that. Yeah. So my husband is a operations systems genius and he's been a residential construction builder and even done some commercial work over his years before we joined forces together. Um, but he always had left the behind the scenes operational systems to his father. Um, so being in charge of a multi seven figure annual budget with seven operating systems and being in leadership in the corporate world, I got very familiar fast coached and mentored by many leaders on how to run and manage a business and not, and that went beyond the marketing and the branding strategies for sales and growth. Um, and so I was able to bring that to the table to partner with him so that he could still do what he did best, which is logistics and ordering and customer service and on the site, you know, actual physical construction with the tool belt on and behind the scenes, I could help manage and support the employees and, and then also the customer service from the accounting standpoint and the insurance backing and just really embrace what it actually takes to have a business. And so we built a partnership with those distinct responsibilities together. And how was it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was everything, every feeling you can imagine. It was joyful and and a lot of celebrations. It was, you know, up late at night, a lot of arguments. It was um, challenging and hard. Um, It was very much a growth experience of expansion for both of us because his one thing was he worked solely with his dad for 18 years and his and I had a different style than what he was accustomed to. So it was the first time realistically in his journey of his career where he had to learn an, a different way of business. And I am a challenger. Like I will push you to the limit to really uncover what our best decision is rather than make decisions on the fly. And so I wouldn't say I'm super conservative, but I definitely do my homework. Um, And he is far from conservative. He's so trusting and he's so on the fly. So we really had to learn to navigate how to handle opposite ends of the spectrum when it came to the actual business. That's interesting. And I know we owned a business together as well, a retail business. And um, 
my husband is definitely more like you. Like he will research every single thing to a T and ask all the questions. I had to do like PowerPoint presentations to convince him to like bring in new brands when I wanted new I'm brands. I'm so jealous. Um, and, and and I'm not like that. I'm more like, okay, this is what my gut's telling me. You know, we just got to go with the flow. And it was it was a lot to navigate. I can say that. And I don't miss... I don't miss the shared stress of the same business. So like it was just like we could never really put it down, you know, because it was something we both shared together. So it was not just present in our everyday lives. It was also present in our relationship all the time because it was like our little baby that we were walking around carrying together, you know, Um, and I don't miss that. I like now that we each have our separate like we definitely give each other feedback and talk about our businesses, but it's not so like my elbows, my my sleeves aren't rolled up and my elbows aren't, you know, in the painting business. No, I can hear that. And I also can tell you that one of the challenges that we faced that was a added layer was I did have the JMG marketing company at the same time as we had the Clearwater Construction. And they were both basically birthed about two or three months apart from each other. And that being said, when the construction company, which is super um, cash flow sensitive based on how projects and timings works, um, there was a, a higher demand on my income for our family to be more regular and um what's the right word I'm looking for consistent yeah definitely consistent for sure um and that put a lot of pressure on me yeah um and so I built at times resistance and towards the Clearwater company um but I had to like work and learn to work that resistance down so that it it was a challenge of do I put my, you know, 30 hours into Clearwater where the cash flow is not always available, or do I keep pushing, moving, and grinding in the JMG business so that our cash flow was reliable? So that was a burden that we had to navigate in our marriage at the same time as trying to really build the businesses. And if I'm not mistaken, you were also raising kids at the same time, right? Oh my God. Yes. So we have three children. And at the time when we started, they were 10 and seven and five. Wow. (laughs) Today they're 17, almost 15 and 13. Okay. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about that. So first of all, what differences, I guess you saw leaving corporate raising kids and then having your own business and raising kids because I imagine there was a shift there and then just kind of like what lessons have you learned along the way when it comes to running a business successfully a successful business and having three kids um yes seriously I was the compartmentalization queen when I was in corporate world I could put my corporate profession and career in a box And then I could button that up and come home and be mom and wife. And that was a huge game changer when we embarked in the family entrepreneurial transition. Um, There was no compartmentalization at that point. It was all your time is all of the things. And the the change also obviously had an... 
unnotable in, in impact on our income and our lifestyle, especially with two brand new businesses that were getting up and running. And so we always had in-home childcare and we did not have that anymore either. So we went from this Ameri- traditional American dream lifestyle of the big house and the nanny and the corporate career to the big house, the three kids, the two startup businesses and limited to no support. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it was very challenging um, to say the least. And, and there was one, there was one in, there was one driver for me to want to make this change. And that change was that I always knew in my heart that I wanted to be available for my children when they were in high school. Um, Due to my experience growing up, my mom was a stay-at-home mom up until I was 12 years old and my father passed away. Um, In about 60-something days, um, he passed away from cancer. And my mom, and he was an entrepreneur, he was a truck driver. Um, My mom shifted from being at home, taking care of us to having to work two jobs and retail was what she went into. And so she wasn't always available. So my high school career, when we were navigating so many changes in our life, I didn't have the support readily available for my mom. She did an amazing job, but that, that gap of not having her present with us always lingered with me and also made me grow up really fast. And so when I had children, I vowed to be accessible to them when they were in Um, high school. So I went into this journey, this entrepreneurial journey with my husband, thinking that I was creating the path for that to happen. And due to the circumstances of survival and what we needed to do, the reality of it was that that didn't happen. Wow. Not for a good three or four years. Um, So they were a part of everything, but I didn't get to have a present moment where we were just playing or we were just having fun or I was just mom. And it was always about, let's get this done because we all, I also have to do this. So they transitioned from having a little bit more of a present mom on the at nights and on the weekends to not really having a present mom who seven days a week was shifting and ebbing and flowing between their needs, my needs, the house needs, the business needs. And we took about three or four years to really transi- transition through that unpacking and that new development. Um, but at the same time, we were able to include our kids in everything that we did. And they were with us in a part of everything that was happening. And so I feel like it, it, it opened their eyes up to the hard work and the tough choices that we had to make and also how to prioritize where do you really want to spend your time and what's necessary for your best effort. Um, and so now that they're older, I'm making shifts with JMG where I'm actually going to be now moving into working from home. And I am with them through their high school years and present, like I always dreamed to be. Um, but they also love what we do for work and they love what has, is happening with our decision-making and it's inspiring them to really evaluate how do I want to spend my time when I I'm done with high school. And how do I want to spend my time if I have a family? And what, and we have these conversations, what do you like? What don't you like? Um, and allow them to process and, and articulate and share each three of them completely different, what that means. And one of them is like, I'm not owning my own business. <laughs> one of them, my oldest actually started through the coronavirus 
um, stay-at-home order, her first business, her first online clothing merchandise company. What a great name. And, oh, yeah, my and gosh. my son, who grew up in the construction field forever, is like, I'm hands-on, and I'm a problem solver, and I want to be in the field. And so it's been really a, a, an observation of how we've been able to keep them a part of our daily within our businesses. Um, and stop that old school compartmentalization that I was accustomed to for so long and really just open the door of that open concept living of all things in our life together and has built some really big observations, um, I think, for all five of us that we can share together. That's awesome. Um, and um, and thank you for sharing about your dad. And I'm sorry to hear that. Um, and it's it's great that even though your mother was working two jobs, that she was able to still give you guys the support. Like you said, she was a great mother. Like you clearly don't hold anything against her for doing what she had to do. Um, Oh God, no, not at all. Like I always will tell stories about how I, I've lived my life to not be in her shoes, but I wouldn't knowing what it took her to live her life, given the circumstances of her life's journey so impressed by my mother and her fortitude and her commitment and her dedication to always doing the best she could in the moment, whatever that meant. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, and I love that you're you're having challenging your children already to ask these questions because how many times do we hear about the stories of people that said, well, you know, I was 18 years old. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I just went to college for this because that's what that was my favorite subject in school or that's what I knew was going to get me a good job when I got out of school. So like really taking the time to consider what they want their lives to look like is huge and awesome. And I really commend you for doing that. And I also commend you for finding a balance. And I know that's probably (laughs) something that you help a lot of your clients with is finding that balance between having children and working in their business because, you know, I don't have children, but I have a lot of women entrepreneur friends that do. And it's a huge struggle for them. Like as as much of it's a struggle for me with a distraction, it's amplified by, you know, that number of many human beings in their home. So I really, really commend you for that. And I and I'm sure, like I said, that you do help other people with those kind of challenges as well. Uh, Yeah, it's funny you say that because I'll laugh and I'll say back to you, I don't believe in balance. I never have. Um, I believe that you are needed more in certain areas of your life at any given minute, and that's where you show up. And and there's always going to be something that's off as a result of that. And that's okay, because if you know you're putting your attention into what's most needed of you in that moment, then you're doing right. Did I use the word balance, darn it? Because I kind of, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't really think that there's some like magic pill we can swallow that our life is somehow going to work every single day how we want it to. Um, I agree that you need to be present and things take, uh, let's see, your attention at different times in your life. So I totally agree. I didn't mean to use that word. <laughs> I think it's like no, a... No, that's okay. I just, I get caught up on that because I think that there's such a struggle in the conversation about the work-life balance and the entrepreneurial balance. And, you know, a lot of the work that I like to help and support my clients with is giving ourselves permission 
to lean into where we're most needed and what brings us most joy rather than trying to force the norms of what we believe people expect from us. Because we, especially as um, women in today's society, we carry all of the roles and we want to, and we can, and we are. And so there's no one in the generations before us, realistically, before our group today, this, you know, 30s and 40s, like crux of parenting, um, that really had too many people walk before them that did all of the things. Um, so we are trying to figure that out and set the tone, I believe, for the next generation to understand all of the possibilities that they can choose for their lives, for them as individuals. And what I choose for me is not what you choose for you, is not what my sister chooses for her, but it is what makes us happy and how we want to show up with this one life and what is our one purpose and our one mission here. And I'll be honest, I had to learn that the hard way. And so, because, and I had to like unpack trying to measure up on all of those perceived expectations that I really uncovered were not real and that's, and step into creating what felt good for me. And I'm still learning every day, but that was a huge game changer awareness journey that I actually uncovered in like 2017 when my oldest daughter was transitioning from eighth grade to ninth grade and had been really put under a lot of pressure to not be allowed to be herself, not be allowed to use her strong voice, was pretty well bullied and outcasted. Wow. And it broke her emotionally. And I sat and watched it happen before me. And so we made some really tough choices and we put her in a private school for a year. And it was about what does she need to get grounded in herself? And then watching her journey of self-discovery and blossom come back out of that investment and that time away, we essentially brought her back home because I just missed her and I just didn't want that for her. I wanted her in our home as much as possible. So it was like the law of polarity. Like we didn't know that that wouldn't be amazing for her um, until we tried it. So we brought her back. But the journey that that brought forth to me and watching her was like, wait, what am I doing? What am I sacrificing in my life for me that's not allowing me to blossom and billow out and step into because I'm showing up and being forced to show up the way I believe other people expect me to? I wasn't going to allow that to happen to her. Why am I choosing that for myself? And it was really a pivotal pivotal moment in my journey where it was like a knock on the head or tap on the shoulder that was like, pay attention to this lesson your children is your children and your child's bringing to you today. You're supposed to learn this for you. Oh, I love that. That is such a prevalent theme also is us just being too scared to step into like what we really feel we're meant to do, who we really feel we're meant to be um, and showing up like a hundred percent that, you know, like a lot of times we might dabble in it and kind of like test out the waters and be like, all right, see, I, I was my authentic true self. Um, so I think it's a big step to be able to show up 100% like that. Yeah. You have to be prepared. I believe not only for the greatness of what comes because it's so beautiful and it's so light, but you have to be a you know, affirming and supported around you to move through that because you will experience some sadness and some loss and some grief of letting go and releasing the old ways that you were showing up that weren't real, 
but were that had become norms for you. Yeah. And transition through that loss and that grief to birth and step into the possibility of the life that belongs to you. Okay, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, what is the what is your favorite part of what you do? Oh, really? Just uncovering what is possible for my clients before them and really peeling back the layers with them. Um, I think that we just all live in a vacuum so close to what we're doing that sometimes we don't see the whole picture. And so when I get to sit with a client and we really get to dream the dream for them and what's available before them that they can't see, it is like this awakening that happens with with them that I just like live for. Yeah. I love that. That sounds fun and inspiring. <laughs> I love watching that happen to people, you know, and you can really tell a difference when they've made that shift. Yeah, so true. Um, all right. So what is your least favorite part of what you do? I mean, I don't necessarily know that there's anything that I don't like to do, but what I have been shifting into is the recognition and the permission to not do all the things that need to be done and give myself permission that even though I'm capable and can do it, even if it's difficult for me, I don't need to be the one that does it all. I can find and invite the right help and the right resources and asking for help is not a failure. It's really a success. And that was a, that was a big transition for me because I am a, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. People pleaser. And that would prove my worth that I was self-sufficient. And so for me, I just believe that identifying that I can now ask for people rather than do things that are enjoyable or a little more difficult at times and be receptive to support. Yeah. It's probably my epiphany on not really. I don't have any, like I'll, I'll, I'll pretty much do anything. I don't know that there's anything I don't like. Um, but I just know I'm better at some things than others. So and, and leaning into your strengths rather than spending your time, which honestly, someone else doing it is going to take less time than you're probably going to. So it's... Yeah, it's also their strengths. So I feel yeah. I learned in the last, you know, handful of years that by not giving them the opportunity to thrive what they doing what they love, then I'm not allowing them to show up in their best way, in their best selves. So, and I want to show up in my best way, my best self. So if I can offset... For them too, then that impact ripples out. And I love that feeling. That's a really, really good point. I love it. Um, all right. Last question. If you could magically plant one concept, and we'll use the She Built This group as an example. So if you could magically plant one concept into every single member of that group, and suddenly they would just like wake up and grasp it fully, what would that be? It can apply to any person really if you wanted to, but I was using that group specifically. Yeah, I would just say no, like really, really know your thresholds. Know what you're capable of growing to and where that limitation falls. So that when you see so much possibility and opportunity before you, but you keep hitting that threshold because you can't go any further, recognize and know deeply what that is so that you can ask for help. 
Yeah. Okay. So now I have another question for you. So do you think that when people hit up against that threshold, that's the time to ask for help? Or is it is it indicative of something else? Um, I can speak for me personally and knowing my, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I am a, um, a do-it-yourselfer. Um, and there's often times that I personally judge my worth on what I'm capable of. Is that right or that is that wrong? I don't know. So for me personally, I know that I can push and push and push to that threshold in whatever area of my life that I'm pushing towards what I can see before me so vividly, but I'm just, I can't get there. I know that now knowing my threshold, I can ask for help sooner or I can keep pushing myself when it gets hard at that threshold to then invite help in from there. So I, I think that's why I, my comment was to know your threshold, because I think it opens up the door for you to really investigate resources or support in different ways than you would have before. And it also invites less force and more ease into reaching the different areas of how you measure success for yourself or goals that you might have for your life or your business. Do you think your threshold is something that you just like have an experience of and that's how you know it or like how can somebody figure out what that is because like I think I know but do I really know you know um I would say when you I I am a believer that your body signals when you need help meaning you it drives anxiety it makes you feel like god this is so hard um and so i usually tune into if i'm working on something and it feels like it's taking too long or i'm just not seeing the results that i know in my heart belong to me and then i'm feeling overwhelmed and i'm feeling frustrated and i'm feeling angry or i'm, I'm i feel like it's super hard to me those are physical warning signs and emotional warning signs that say you're you're probably at your threshold step back, evaluate it, and look at this from a different perspective. Okay. That's really, really great advice. All right. So just to um, leave us with, how do we find you and connect with you online? And like, what are you up to that we can get in on? Oh, yeah. You know, um, um, you can find me on Instagram at Jody. My name is J-O-D-I-E underscore M underscore Gallant. And that's really where I show up the most. And you can really get to know me as a person. And then I also have a Facebook account. I actually have to look it up. I'll, I'll, see I'll put the so. link in. You don't need to. Don't worry. Okay. I'm like, yeah. I don't even know it. Um, I have a Facebook um, for my business, James G Marketing um, and Business Strategy. And I do share a lot like that. And then, you know, as far as what we're doing, we um, are hosting quarterly trainings, virtual trainings. Now we have an annual event called CEO live in the fall in the lakes region of New Hampshire for, um, business leaders and small business owner entrepreneurs. Um, and we're working on bringing those back to life and hopefully this coming fall 2020, we'll be able to, um, reinvent that. And, um, yeah, if you just follow me in those areas, we have an, a weekly email that we call to the point where we kind of go behind the scenes and we share um, success stories and how to's and tips and just kind of give a little extra love to our inner circle through that. And then that's also a great way to be in the know on any events or programs that we're launching. 
Awesome. All right. And I'll make sure all that is in the show notes so that people can just click directly there. That sounds good. Well, thanks for joining me, Jody. This was fabulous. Yes. Thanks so much, Emily. And keep up the good work with She Built This. This is such a beautiful community and I'm so honored to be a part of all the work you're doing. Aw, thank you. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.